0: I'm watching John Moxley decide if he wants to be Chris Jericho's inner circle. Well, what a turn. I know. What? Gosh.
1: your favorite Harry boo Star mix. What? Have I not shown you this? <laughs> I don't think. Nicole just texted me about it. Um I it sounds I like a I, Nicole thing. I, no, I thought I showed them to everyone. Um you may have. When I lived in the UK there was this the terrible ad campaign. Yeah, whatever. Um There was this terrible ad campaign for Haribo. It was like all of these adults with (laughs) overdubbed children's voices being like, which is your favorite Haribo star mix? I'm going to send it to you. Please. And it was one of the, like, you know how there's always like that one ad that like gets played over and over Mm -hmm. for months. Like Mm -hmm. you get it in front of every YouTube video. Like you get it in commercials. It was
0: the Starburst one. Constantly. Yeah. um, The I'm a little lad who loves berries and cream. That one, the starburst one. Yeah,
1: thinking of it's just become this horrible earworm for me, and now I say it all (laughs) the time. (laughs) And every time we, every time I was like in a store with Nicole, we would pass Haribo star mix, and I'd be like, "Which is your favorite (laughs) Haribo (laughs) star mix?" And she finally, she did text me, and she told me um, that the the snakes are Mm. her favorite Haribo
0: star mix. I think mine is the eggs. You like the eggy one the best? I, I like the eggy one the best. It's the
1: worst.
0: <laughs> I said this to my British friend and asked what the f*** is wrong with her country. <laughs> please do.
1: Also, please ask her which is her
0: favorite hair about Star mix. <laughs> I will. <laughs> it's a really good icebreaker. She's asleep right now. Yes, because I need an icebreaker to talk to my friends. Which is your the
1: tastes favorite tastes like creme. <laughs> And the bottom tastes like strawberry. (laughs) I can't believe I've never said that to you. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm upset. I'm sorry. So You never cared enough to ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my favorite
0: (laughs) Harry Potter Star mix.
1: Hey, you know. It's gotta be a first time for everything. True. And here we are. Yep. New Year. Uh Same podcast. (laughs) Yep. Bet you didn't bet you thought we weren't back. Wow, bet what Bet you a thought swim. I was in jail. Bet you thought we were gonna take the keys and join your cult. But no. You still took the keys though. <laughs> we're not talking about the bad wrestling show that happened to me this week. Um we're talking about puberty. <laughs> which is Equally, it, which, yes. which in a lot of ways makes me feel the same.
0: It's just- <laughs> Same way,
1: yeah. Same same vibe. We really could just do an AEW recap show, and it would be exactly the same energy. But we won't. I won't put you through that. Thank you. Not today. Not today. <sighs> um, I'm Lauren. Oh yeah, that's right. I di- I didn't forget that you're Lauren. I forgot that we introduced. <laughs> oh, her.
0: that's right. I <laughs> forgot. <laughs> As some of you may remember, I'm Lee. I was going to say something funny, but I forgot. Oh, no, no, I remember. Oh, I'm Lauren, and I'm a puberty survivor. Ooh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, I was cut down by friendly fire. You
0: hate to see it.
1: <laughs> R.I.P.
0: R.I.P. Um. <laughs>
1: So, so do what, what, pu- what you got?
0: Puberty. Uh, puberty. Puberty. Gosh, I'm gonna close my door real quick because it is a job. Because the dog did come in here. Oh, don't want to hear. Don't want anybody to hear you talking about puberty. Yeah, yeah. This is private.
1: Mm-hmm. Gosh, girl talk. Just girl stuff. Just us girls.
0: I'm back and ready to talk about puberty. So, for many young people mm-hmm. <laughs> menstruation <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> is the for mark a, of the beginning of puberty for
1: a simple majority of
0: young people for a simple majority of young people so i don't know if i ever told you this story you might Ooh. know this okay but my first period roller coaster i was okay. literally 12 wow i know and It was the night before our parent show for Guard. Oh, no. In 2008. Okay. January 2008. And I woke up in the morning, and there was a little spot in my underwear. I was like, (laughs) nah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah. So I ignored it. Oh, no. And then (laughs) we were... Like, literally going to go on to perform our parent show. We did it a couple times, like, three times, I think. We are going on, like, one of the middle times. And I went to the bathroom before we went in, and I looked at my underwear, and it was disaster. And I was like, oh, my God.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> but then I was like,
0: I can't think about this now. <laughs> <laughs> so it just... We were wearing our uniforms and everything, too. It was awful. Yeah, I was going to say, can I ask what the uniforms were that year? It was the, like, silver pants. Oh, no. With the pink top. But it didn't get in my uniform. It wasn't, like, that heavy. Okay. And then, (laughs) so I went and we did the show and whatever. And we're driving home. And I was like, I have to tell my mom. I have to tell my mom. I was like, I can't do it. I can't tell my mom. I'm too embarrassed. So I waited until we got home. um, And then I went to the bathroom. And then I was like. Mom! <laughs> and I cried because I'm a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my story, my first period. But like most others, like I just adopted and used the hygiene products that my mom used slash uses. I think that's pretty common for most young people. Like mm. she probably learned from her mom. So I just used pads for a while because that's what I thought I was supposed to do, and then used tampons in high school. But then when I was in college I was like, Hmm, this menstrual cup train, that sounds pretty cool. Yes. Um, my roommate at the time had just gotten one and she really liked it and she ended up doing her honors thesis on like hygiene products. Um, so she took a pad, a tampon, and a menstrual cup and, and was they doing all a-
1: walked into a bar. Yes sorry it's okay <laughs> and new year same podcast same
0: podcast so her project was basically taking those three products and looking at their life cycle to see which has like the lowest carbon footprint environmental impact that sort of thing over mm. a certain number of uses so that was actually really cool that was a cool project um so i yeah. started using my menstrual cup then and i honestly i think i've used a tampon once since 2016 and it was awful and it was like a, oh my god i don't have my cup with me i need something and my friend gave me a tampon so i thought this was really interesting because they seem to be an industry that's largely continued by word of mouth and by yeah like you know peer-to-peer contact which makes Mm -hmm. sense because it's like a super personal thing and like generally the people that you talk about your period with are people that you like respect and trust and their opinions on products really matter to you so I actually found a study that was published in 2012 and it's called The Determinants of Technology Adoption Peer Effects in Menstrual Cup Takeup." Um, so it's basically like how do peer interactions cause people to adopt technology or not adopt technology Okay. through a study of menstrual cups
1: Interesting
0: Yeah, so it's actually really, really cool
1: That's a really smart product to use with that, too, because it's such an emerging thing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like it's existed forever and people have this understanding of it culturally. Like, it's a thing that people are learning about right now actively. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Really cool. So, some other research that they talked about in this paper pointed to technology adoption spreading in communities because of three mechanisms. One, because individuals want to behave like their friends. Two because individuals learn about the benefits of technology from their friends or three because their friends help teach them how to use the technology and I think that they were targeting that third one and hypothesizing that that is the most um, impactful one the one that has the most significance when it comes to adopting technology because if there's a piece of technology and you don't know how to use it and you're too embarrassed to ask how to use it then you're not you're much less likely to to adopt it right yeah so the study had two objectives, one, to estimate the role of peer influence in adoption of new technology, and two, provide initial evidence as to what mechanisms, those three that I just mentioned, initial evidence as to what mechanisms drive the peer effects they're seeing, which is kind of the boring part of the study, I think. All right. The interesting part of the study was how they actually gathered the menstrual cup usage data. Ooh. So, they conducted the study. Girl talk. Girl talk. Here we go. They conducted this study in and around a uh, kind of small metropolitan area in Nepal. Mm. And and this was in 2006. So, it's an area where mon- menstrual cups weren't available. I, and I don't know how widespread they are now, but I'm sure they're more available than they were. Right. Um, and the most common form of menstruation management was just clods that they would use to soak up menstrual fluid and then they would go home and wash and then put back in their underwear. Right. So they invited girls from two different schools all either in 7th or 8th grade along with their mothers or other important female role models in their lives. Um, so they invited yeah. them all to this meeting and they are briefed about the study and what it entailed um, and I think that the, the adults had to be there to give consent for the kids to be a part of the study. Right, um, yeah. But at the end of the meeting, they were given a baseline survey after they'd given consent and everything. And 25 girls were chosen at random to be the recipient of a menstrual cup. I think there was, I think, close to 200 girls in okay. the study. Okay. So a small percentage.
1: Right. Like
0: 12% mm-hmm. of them. Yep. Yeah. Cool. They were were instructed how to use it and then sent home, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, after that, they were observed for fifteen months, and they had a school nurse that would like interview them once a month to ask about their experiences with the cups and about eighty per eighty one eighty eighty one percent of the girls attended the monthly meetings on average. It was a little bit higher okay. at the beginning of the study, but still pretty significantly high, considering the um conditions right, yeah, so she'd ask things like oh, like, are you using your cup? Are you having trouble? Like, what's the issue? And they would respond with, like, yeah, I tried to use it, and I couldn't get it right, or I tried to use it, and it leaked, so I'm not using it anymore, or, yeah, I use it, and I really like it, like that sort of stuff. Mm. Kind of more qualitative. It was seemed to be difficult to get quantitative data because everyone's experiences are so individualized. Like, right. it's hard to yeah quantify that. Yeah. Uh but after the 15 months was over they held another meeting similar to the first one of the girls and their adults and they took another survey and about 92% of the girls attended this meeting after a year and a half so that's pretty right it's pretty uh, significant pretty significant considering they were just checked in with once a month um the 15 girls that didn't show were caught up later by the school nurse and given the same kind of survey. Okay. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, definitely this this was about like a quarter of the length of the paper. Most of it was them taking the data and doing some math calculations with them to try to figure out formulas that described how these interactions happen in a population. Um, so it was definitely more focused on the mechanisms side and not necessarily the like cultural side of the study. Right. Which I thought was more interesting, but some of the, the major points that they, they hit at the end or that the girls cited that there are two major advantages to the cup over their traditional cloth. One of them was increased mobility, such as the ability yeah. to ride a bike. Yeah. Um, they were, I think were surprised at how comfortable and mobile they felt. Um, and the second one was, they had a decreased laundry load because they. Oh, yeah. Seemed, the study seemed to indicate that they would spend an extra 20 minutes a day washing their claws while they had oh their periods versus when they didn't. Um, what a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. To be watching The Bachelor. <laughs> I heard you joined a bachelor. I, yes. We'll talk later fantasy about Fantasy bachelor, bachelor bracket. <laughs> football. <laughs> Yes, we'll t- we'll talk later okay, about Peter Weaver. Oh God, another <laughs> another um, major point that they figured out was that girls with more friends they used kind of an algorithm that took into account like whether girls had three friends or four friends that they like self-identified as friends. Um, that girls with more friends that used the cup adopted the technology more quickly. So if I had three friends that used the cup, I'm more likely more likely to adopt. Using a menstrual cup more quickly than someone that has two friends that use it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and that peer effects are more important in the first few months after adoption. Um, okay, rather than later on, they cited it as being kind of a good thing for their realm of study to say, "Hey, like look at these things on a long term scale, and you'll see just how important it is on the short term these peer effects." kind of justifying, like, we did this for 15 months because we wanted to see the difference in the first few months versus the last few months. Right, yeah. So all of this indicates that there is a value in peer adoption of technology. So I thought a lot about, like, working with Engineers Without Borders and designing, like, rainwater systems for the community uh, in Uganda. And so, like, we could go and consult with individuals in the community and say, like, Does this culturally make sense to you? That sort of stuff. And they could say yes and we can implement it. But if no one is like advocating to their peers for this technology, it's likely to just stick with individuals and not necessarily spread throughout the community and be a part of their culture for real. Right. Um, So it's important to give not only like a valuable piece of technology that people are going to use, but something that they're going to enjoy using enough to share with other people and also like something that's simple enough that they can teach other people how to use it. Right. So yeah. Menstrual cups, man. Yeah. I was actually really surprised that they, this, they did the study, like the 15 month observation in 2006. And like, obviously menstrual cups weren't on my radar in 2006, but I don't think that they were very much of a thing.
1: Right. No, I remember, um, I think I started using one around the same time you did I was in college Mm -hmm. and I still had to go to like the health food store to buy one right yeah like it was it was a thing that I found out about through some channel I genuinely don't remember but like like I I think I went multiple places I think I went several places to try and find one and now they have them in Target yes so like they've even just in the past like five years they've really popped off yeah. but yeah no i had no idea that they had been around for that long mm-hmm. it's cool
0: it, it is cool i think they're kind of making a shift from being like a oh it's a hippie thing like right you have to be really like i mean and it makes sense you have to be really in t- like in touch with your body to be able to use them it's really intimate to have to use them but it, not in like a kind of a right. that connotation right. like, they're really in tune with their bodies right
1: yeah so now you just have to get over the fact that you're going to get blood on you, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like there there are some accessibility things where like they're not convenient to clean in like public restrooms right. a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Um, and actually, I can't wear one anymore because I have an IUD. Right. And if you PSA, if you have an IUD, you can't wear a menstrual cup uh, mm-hmm. because it creates too much <laughs> suction and you could pull your IUD out. Yeah. Yeah, no, not gonna work. Um, so like, there are some cases where they aren't great for people, but like the sustainability side mm-hmm. of things,
0: and I don't know. I think they're,
1: I think they're pretty handy.
0: I do too. I love my menstrual cup. I literally emptied it before we recorded.
1: Oh my god! Congratulations! Thank
0: you. I feel I'm so ready mad. to record. I I cannot sing the praises
1: of menstrual cups enough.
0: They're so comfortable.
1: Speaking of things I can sing the praises of, let's stop talking about those and start talking about <laughs> something I oh. could not could not disparage more. Um, Can't wait. So, in the late 1940s, Human Growth became the first sex education film shown as part of a mm. school curriculum.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I knew you were going to talk about this. I know. I'm sorry. I no, it was okay.
0: I almost did, like, uh, looked on Google Scholar or whatever for sex education studies but i was like nah Mm. you're gonna do this so i didn't yeah no um and i actually
1: yeah no and i i think that it's interesting to look at them from an art perspective and i kind of Mm -hmm. look at them from a culture perspective but there's also some art in there too which i think is an interesting way to look at them and made me think about them in a way that i have not thought about them before because i i feel like i've i've been to comedy shows where like people have riffed over old sex ed Films because they're weird and corny and mm-hmm. uncomfortable and mm-hmm. not informative at all. Um, but they have a way richer history than I expected. So Very excited um, for this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. So prior to Human Growth, there were films on public health, um, including sex ed, just not focused directly at adolescence, uh, that would play in theaters as far back as 1918. And since then, upwards of a hundred thousand sex ed films have been produced. Wow, yeah, big numbers. Um, so <laughs> big human sex ed, big sex
0: ed, down with big sex ed. <laughs>
1: yes, for sure. The sex ed lobby—it goes is a big real big sex thing. ed,
0: big pharma, and then big mm. death.
1: Uh huh. Tag yes. yourself. The big three. Um. <laughs> Human growth was a direct response to the post-World War II mindset that the family, air quotes capital F, yeah, TM, was in danger. Uh, It was (laughs) fragmented by the war. And so the idea of standardizing sex education was born out of the fear of that, which makes perfect sense when you look at where it is today. And interestingly, or at least interesting to me, uh, human growth was banned in New York State. It was banned in a lot of places, but New York State was one of them, which I thought was unusual. Yeah. So the idea of showing films to adolescents about the ways they were changing morphed in the 50s to focus on social etiquette more than the birds and the bees. So Mm. things like how to behave appropriately on dates. In one, the girl gets invited to a movie And then asked if she'd like to, and I quote, go over to teen town, maybe, which is the coolest thing I can imagine. Save for maybe her other option, which is going with the gang on a skating party and weenie roast. Are these
0: euphemisms? I, or are they
1: they're actual not? <laughs> activities? They're, they're real things. These are. This is how to behave appropriately on a date. Hey, and they point out that the guy gives the girl options, which means he's thought about what Carolyn would be interested in. Hey,
0: you want to go weenie roasting?
1: Teen Town just sounds like such <laughs> slang for drugs. It really I'm sorry. does.
0: Hey, y'all, y- y'all want to hit Teen Town? Let's hit it. Hit what? Teen Town.
1: God, Teen Town
0: is. If you know, you know.
1: Yeah, Teen Town is the coolest thing I can imagine. I tried to look into Teen Town, and I think that it was like a dance thing. Like, I think that you could go there on Friday nights and, like.
0: Oh. Do drugs. Have a sock hop. Yeah, and (laughs) And and also do drugs. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But wholesome drugs.
1: Hey, man. Teen Town. Teen Town. Um,. I do like the idea of it being like um, the island from Pinocchio, though, where like (laughs) teens go and do horrible, depraved things because they're teens. Um, Anyways, so not all of these films in the 50s were about abstinence per se. um, But the ones that don't mention sex at all, the omission of it speaks volumes like that's that's the point of these films. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily that we're saying don't have sex, it's that we're saying this is what you are supposed to do yes and sex is not included in that it's conversation. Sex. yeah yeah mm-hmm. So really the big takeaway is the training of social roles became standardized in the 50s mm. through video. So these social roles have existed, but now they're cemented and they're being disseminated in a new and controlled way. And it will probably not surprise you to learn that the overwhelming narrative that's so focused around where babies come from in these videos is a direct result of the conservative religious history of the U.S. Fun fact.
0: So surprised. Yes.
1: And that being said, there is a brief period in the 70s and 80s where sex ed films take a huge leap forward and start to disseminate actual information. Granted, in the weirdest possible way mm-hmm. like of course
0: of, course. of the course 70s and 80s
1: yeah um so i mean there's there's nudity there's honest talk about topics like masturbation speculums menstruation and curiosity about the human body they're very progressive and oddly genuine but they're also so weird there's like a little bit of the mid-atlantic accent still left over especially in like the more scripted ones so like they're still so wooden they have that like pre marlon brando style of acting and inflection where they're like they're stringing together sentences that mean things but it's it's a little bit computerized but they're talking about nudity it's very strange um But they're talking openly about topics Mm -hmm. that, honestly, I was really surprised were ever covered in school sex ed, especially with the films that I saw when I was in school, which were not informative at all. I remember leaving them more confused than when I started. My
0: first, like, your body is changing talk Mm. that we did in fourth grade, I remember leaving that thinking that women menstruated for 28 days and had a week <laughs> off. I, I was feel like this is a fucking sham.
1: I feel like you've told me this before, I think I, I have.
0: I would distinctly I remember being like what <laughs> the
1: <laughs> being I terrified. Think I, like, I think I blacked it out because I don't remember, like, getting any information out of them. And I don't know right. if that's because there wasn't any information or if I was just, like, this means nothing. This is, like, I have no idea what this means whatsoever. I just remember being separated into, like, two classrooms, like, herded with mm-hmm. all the girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they gave us, like, a bag with deodorant and yes in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... In the 1980s, the AIDS epidemic breaks out, Mm -hmm. and sex ed actually becomes way more widespread as a result, which is kind of surprising. Um, And it's still the same kind of stuff for the most part. It's mandatory in more places, and it's more comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Birth control and condoms are being discussed. But in the 90s, things start to go south again, and parents and government officials including everybody's favorite saxophone pervert, Bill Clinton, these folks are starting to go back to their conservative roots when it comes to sex ed. And this is when you start to see widespread calls from parents for abstinence-only sex education, Mm. which is an incredibly harmful practice. The Mm -hmm. literature exists on that. We know it's harmful to young people Mm -hmm. to be told only don't have sex. Um, And not only is there a complete lack of information there, but it's not just don't have sex. It's don't have sex until you're married. And the idea that you can shame these kids at such a vulnerable age about doing something that's also incredibly vulnerable. And then one day they'll get married and a switch will flip and it will suddenly be fine. Like the psychology of that is absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. And there have been so many people who have gone on the record, um, especially people from like with a background in like Mormonism and things like that. And really talked about the damage that that does to your psyche Mm -hmm. of not just the abstinence side of it, but like all of a sudden it's fine. Yes. Like that side of it is really, really harmful. Yep. And I'm not going to wax poetic about how teaching comprehensive sex ed in schools is the best way to prevent not just pregnancy and STDs, but also things like sexual assault. Uh, Because I feel like most people who listen to this podcast probably know that already so I will save you a moment. Thanks. But you're welcome. Um. So I watched a documentary by Brenda Goodman called Sex Ed. The mm. ed is in parentheses. If you want to look it up, I recommend it. It is available on iTunes um, Sweet. as part of my research. And it actually ended up being the bulk of my research because mm-hmm. it was really, really exceptional. But the first thing about it that struck me was... They were interviewing a film archivist, and he was talking about how these videos are about passing along tradition and ideology. And, like, that's it, right? Like, these films, the education in these films is not Mm -hmm. biological. There's a slant Mm -hmm. to it, there's a cultural slant to it that I think gets glossed over because they're so ridiculous, and Mm -hmm. because of the subject matter, and because of the part of your life you're in when you first encounter them. But these films do so much to uphold the cultural traditions that we have around sex. Mm-hmm. And thinking about them critically as films is fascinating. Like, I, that was not something that I had ever done. And yeah. like, that was one of the first things that I encountered in this documentary. And it so well framed this idea of these films not as education about sex, but education about what is correct surrounding sex and Mm -hmm. what are how how is sex supposed to fit into the home and how is sex supposed to fit into your life right and like there a lot of them aren't that informative except for about the culture that they are produced by and another thing that really struck me was towards the end where one of the sociologists they interview compares comprehensive sex ed to driver's ed And says something along the lines of, yes, teenagers want to drive, but that's not why we enroll them in driver's education programs. Mm -hmm. We do that because we know they'll be driving for the rest of their lives, and we want them to have as good of an education as possible so they'll be safe when they do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, like, teenagers are not safe drivers, right? They're new drivers. Of course they're not, but we want them to have all the tools they can to be safe. Yep so like and not just now but forever so why don't we have that same attitude towards sex i don't know i don't have an answer to that i just think that it's bogus i agree whatever i'm gonna go over to teen town
0: hey you want to hit
1: up teen town after this podcast is over oh my god i thought you would never ask
0: i don't know did i tell you the story of when i was in 10th grade health class our teacher he was like real i forget what his name was but he was wild he was like wild was it mr yes of did you have him
1: yeah I did Did he do
0: that thing where no, he the
1: dental damn thing no no not oh. the dental what dental damn thing i thought there was something that they like he like closed a door and like tried to walk through it or something
0: am i thinking of someone else you're thinking of the right thing but he like or he like went through the door and like banged on the door frame and he's like this is your vagina it's meant for in and out and we're like okay and then he took a piece of paper like (laughs) construction (laughs) paper and tore it in half he said this is your anus it's not meant for in and out (laughs) we're like okay which is like also not Good sex education no, That's not comprehensive in not any way, all. shape, or form. Not at all. Oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> to this day, I think of my <laughs> asshole as a piece of construction paper.
1: <laughs> and shouldn't we all? Shouldn't we all? <laughs> I, that's as good a note as I think we're going to find. I know. It's... To end on. But, anyway. Uh, thanks to She's a Spy uh, for another calendar year that we're now in of allowing us I'm sure she's just forgotten at this point um, mm-hmm. to letting us use our th- our music their music her music all of our music at the beginning and end of our show we love it very much we love her very much you can find her on Spotify by searching she's a spy
0: you can find us online at meetcutest dot com <laughs> I f- <laughs>
1: forgot <laughs> You forgot the name of our website. <laughs> to be fair, it's not up to date. Still,
0: <clears throat> gotta work on that. And also on Twitter and Instagram, gr- gram at meetcutest. All right. Well, that one. And also on Twitter and Instagram at meetcutest. Yeah, I was gonna. That's and nice. also on Twitter and Instagram at meetcutest. Okay. Um, There's three for you to choose from. <laughs> Thank you. It's important
1: to have options. Yes. Uh you also have options. You can follow or subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes respectively. Those are your two options. But you, you should have do, to both. do one of them. Uh, yes, yeah, of course, obviously. Um and if you like the show and you like learning about things like puberty with us, your irascible co hosts, you can rate or review and rate and or review i would say the show on itunes
0: should we have a new catchphrase for this year um i don't know i do like be righteous back but i also like time to hit teen town
1: (laughs) (laughs) well once again it's time time to to hit (laughs) hit teen town I think we have to say we'll be righteous back know, next week. I know, the same. Yeah. But God. for this
0: episode, we'll be righteous back from <laughs> Teen Town next week. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we won't. We might be <laughs> coming at you live from Teen Town. We
1: might. Yes. Yeah. We might be having such grand fun in Teen Town that we won't be able to come back. Or we'll be there. I don't know it's 2020 baby anything can happen thanks for listening bye okay bye